Hello, sports fans. This is Jeremy Taché, and this is Miami Miked Up, presented by Cold Blue Vodka. If you haven't tried Cold Blue yet, head over to your nearest Total Wine or select Sam's Club's locations to pick up an ice sculpture bottle. It's the perfect refreshing drink to enjoy on its own or in your favorite cocktails, mojitos, Bloody Marys, martinis, Moscow mules, and more. Cold Blue Vodka is gluten-free, crafted from American-sourced corn, and distilled eight times. Easy to sip on, enjoyable, and the best part, no hangover the next day. I repeat, no hangover the next day. Our friends over at Cold Blue Vodka gave us a promo code for our listeners. Head over to coldbluevodka.com and use the code BALLY20 for 20% off. That's one word, B-A-L-L-Y-2-0, for 20% off your online order. Cold Blue Vodka, redefining the blue-collar lifestyle. Now, let's get to the show. And very pleased to welcome into this episode of Miami Miked Up our local NBC6 sport anchor and reporter, Ruthie Polinski. Ruthie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on today's episode. Feeling real big time on Miami Miked Up. I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in studio. This is so exciting, and I'm so glad to have you in here. First guest that we've had in studio who doesn't work for Bally Sports since Izzy Gutierrez for the first one. So big deal. Glad wow. to get you back here. Big time. Um, first question for you, as we have asked everyone, what is something outside of the workplace recently that has brought you joy? Oh, that's such a wonderful question to ask. Um, my best friend is engaged and recently asked me to be maid of honor. Oh, congratulations. So- congratulations to her and congratulations to you. That's a big Thing to have bestowed upon you yeah. uh, how long have you guys known each other uh we were freshman year roommates at the university of michigan oh cool um sh- the way she asked me was she printed out our facebook messages from 2010 i believe Stop maybe 11 it. 2011 um of me messaging her we were connected through a wonderful dear dear family friend um, I messaged her, hey, are you still going to Mish? And she's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, want to be roommates? It's like very cute. It's so. amazing. And I'm sure you were using like old school AIM language and stuff like that. I I recently was going through because um, my fiance and I met when I was a freshman in college. And I was recently going through our first DMs on oh Facebook and things like that. And the the way that we all typed and just language in general, the way that it sort of evolved through yeah. the last few years online is so funny. But I used way too many letters, you know, like just a lot of a lot of exclamation marks, yes. a lot of letters. Um, it was a little overwhelming. So I'm happy that she decided to say yes to me to be roommates. But uh, but anyway, it was, I am grateful that my fiance yes. said yes to me to marriage and also the first date when I used way too many emojis. Should we go back to using beginning. more? Should we go back to using more letters? More letters, I think, is successful for both of us, clearly. So, all right, (laughs) new new strategy for both of us as we go forward. But all right, we're actually going to start with with the sportsy stuff first before we get into your life and and some of your career choices and everything. So, obviously, you cover all the teams down here. So, we're just going to get a little taste of a pretty newsy week in general. Um, We'll start with the Heat, who finished off their five game road trip. Uh, They went two and three on this road trip. Were without Jimmy and Bam for portions. Have been without Markeith Morris ever since he was assaulted by Nikola Jokic mm. a few days ago, or a few games ago rather. Um, and in their last game, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Last couple of games, both of them stepped it up. Duncan Robinson particularly turning it around, and and Tyler's been on a crazy run, four straight with twenty plus. It's, I saw a stat; it was per hoops habit. 25-plus points for Tyler Hero in eight of his first 14 games. Only Dwayne Wade and LeBron James have done that in a Heat uniform more than Tyler Hero. So, really so Tyler crazy Hero, So, Tyler Hero wants to be in the same conversation no, no. as those two guys. It's too, back-to-back right? episodes here. You and Will Manso doing the exact <laughs> same thing of bringing that back. Tyler, I'm sorry that that happened, okay? Uh, listen, he's I mean, lived up to it. it's worked out okay. It's live, he's lived up to it, and sure. I think that's unbelievable so. well nonetheless anyway. Tyler Hero playing that way Duncan Robinson yeah. playing that way what impressed you most about the heat on this five game road trip because it because it could have gone awry after losing the first three yeah absolutely I think I think what is the most exciting and you talked about it is just to see the consistent scoring from Tyler that's just been so exciting and so fun to watch that you know he'll have the confidence if he does go through slumps later on in the year he can look back on this road trip and say 
look at what I did, you know, during that time. Um, right. And he'll be able to maintain that confidence, which I think is so important for a young player like him. Um, and then I think also just a huge, huge sigh of relief for Heat Nation to see Duncan Robinson's shot fall, right? Yes. And to see it yes. fall well and consistently. Um, everyone knew he was going to get out, get into the, his groove and figure it out. So um, definitely really good to see him do that as well. I think it's also really impressive to win those two games without Jimmy and then the last one without Bam. Um, you know, there's a little bit of concern of depth on this team, I guess, and injuries are, are a little bit scary when you look at the way that this team is structured. Mm. Um, but to see them kind of be resilient and get some two quality wins um that looks really good that feels really good yeah it was certainly exciting to have them sort of rebound from those first few because it it could have started to spin out of control totally and when you're the number one team in the power rankings going into that road trip to have something that would have gone really awry could have you know upset chemistry anything Mm -hmm. like that so it's, it's good they got back on track and now they have a pretty easy five-game stretch coming up. I was just looking at it earlier. It's it's New Orleans and Washington at home now on back-to-back nights, and then Washington, Detroit, and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So as the Heat sort of try to find their groove here, th- this could be the start of something special for them. But we'll move over now to the Florida Panthers, okay. who are sort of going the opposite direction as of late, had an unbelievable start to the season. Then obviously Joel Quenville is no longer their head coach, everything that's gone on there. And now they've lost four games in a row. A couple of them have gone to overtime, to shootouts. But what do you think that the Panthers need to do to sort of get back on the right track? Or is this just a matter of, hey, it's it's been a sort of emotional couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. I think when you look at this team, um, they are built f- and they have established themselves in the standings, in the league. Um, that they've built themselves this cushion to kind of have these slumps, right? Like to get off to the start that they got off to. It's okay if you go through these these streaks. And it doesn't even really feel like they're playing incredibly poorly, uh, especially getting two games into overtime, into shootouts. You're getting points on the road. Now you get to come home, play in front of your home crowd, sleep in your own bed. Um, I think that's what this team needs just to kind of get back on track, kind of regroup. They had, um, I guess it was Sunday and Monday without games. So you're a little bit well rested. You're relatively healthy right now. So um, I think it'll be great for them to, you know, we're taping this before they play. But, yeah. um, but ho- you know, hopefully they'll get back on track tonight at home. Yeah, I guess maybe I can just clip this part and put it out on social <laughs> beforehand. So maybe we'll do that if okay. you're watching this. My my old sports director used to always do that. We would tape our podcast and it wouldn't come out for right. like a few days. And we'd be like, we are taping this at four o'clock on a Tuesday yes, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> just no. so everyone knows. <sighs> It's constant it's scheduling stressful. this around. Yeah. There's so many games and trying to make sure that we have everything up to date. For sure. But so Panthers fans, we apologize for <laughs> for one game less of analysis. Hopefully this was a six nothing victory and, yeah. and everybody's feeling good. Um, moving over now to the Miami Hurricanes, uh, actually not our team partner. We're going to go to a couple of teams okay. that are on our team partners now, although they have been on Bally a couple times here. So, you know, there you go. We'll happens. I think there's a game later in the season against Duke that that happens as well. Mm-hmm. Uh Blake James is out as the athletic director, a, a quote-unquote mutual parting of the ways, mm-hmm. although I think we all can can sort of see the writing on the wall there. Uh, obviously, Manny Diaz's job is sort of up in the air. Everybody's making the obvious assumption, which is that the Canes will move on from him. My question to you is just, as you see everything going on with Miami, as you've been down here now for a year and a half, seen two seasons, where do the Canes go from here? And if you had your choice pick of the litter who would be your next head coach of the Miami Hurricanes putting me on the spot listen I am not a Miami grad and I know that Miami grads have this uh, this attraction to former Canes right Mm -hmm. and you almost want a former Miami Hurricane to lead this team and and bleed that kind of team spirit and listen I'm a University of Michigan grad we brought in Jim Harbaugh right that has worked out relatively well that's a story for another day. Okay, considering the expectations, okay. it's only okay. Um, but listen, when when they hired Jim Harbaugh, that was a very, very exciting thing for us because that was a home run. So I think people are probably hoping to see maybe a former Miami Hurricane uh, in that role. Um, I, I, I'm i not going to throw any names out there just to, for safety. I'll do it. For, I'll okay. Do, I'll do okay. it. Mario Cristobal is the guy that yeah. everybody wants. Yeah. Uh, would, he I, leave, would he leave his current job for this job is my question. question. Is it a better job? Right. And that's, I think that's the question for everybody. And, and I guess you and I sitting here as you are a Michigan grad and you have a very specific view on college football <laughs> and I am a UCF I'm grad with a very, very different view of college <laughs> football, but also not neither view is going to help Miami's case. Okay. Neither view is going to help yeah. Miami's case. Maybe 
Miami in some ways could be a more attractive job to a guy who's been here before. But the Mario Cristobal conversation is one where I think it's about Canes fans sort of looking themselves in the face and going, how attractive of a program are we? And ultimately, that might just come down to the finances. It might come down to is Miami this time around willing to to pay to to play with the big yeah. boys in the way that they haven't been in years yeah, past. I think that's a great point. And I think you look at the the way that the school has set up that program. Um, you know, they have the flashy uniforms and the history and right. and and the kind of college football aura um that that is unique to the university of miami um but i'll say that i think there are some things that are hard to attract kids to this program when they're not winning and not playing well um especially when you look at the stadium being Mm -hmm. a 45 minute drive from campus and those are those are little things i think that 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 program has to kind of overcome and when you're losing it's hard to do that um but i i think Listen, Coral Gables, if you've ever been there, I mean, go to school there. It's like awesome. how could yeah. you it, it's hard to say no. Um so you have to figure out a way to get a get a sexy head coach in there, um get a figure out a way to kind of turn this program around, around, get them back on that national scale. Um and hiring a head coach is definitely going to be your first choice. Uh, is going to be your first move there. Not saying Manny Diaz isn't that guy necessarily. Um he's just going to have to make his case to the new athletic director why he can turn this around. Um that's going to be tough to do. It's an uphill battle for sure yeah. given the circumstances, given the loss to FSU and everything and that I that lo- would entail. I love Manny Diaz. And you know what? He's great for the media because he's been there and he knows what what we need in a soundbite and that we respect. I was going to say to get really <laughs> local news for you. So I, I we've mentioned it on this podcast before but I used to work over at WSVN at Channel 7 and yes. I, was, I was a producer there and um, worked under under Steve Shapiro who was so specific about like a soundbite is specifically 12 to 16 seconds 12 to 15 seconds there was no more there is no less mm. this is what it will be and there is no one on God's green earth better than Manny Diaz at regurgitating useless information <laughs> in 12 to 15 second windows to where you don't have to cut anything out. It was perfect. And I, I will miss Manny for that. Yeah. Uh, but, All right. We're not we're not digging his grave. Yeah, yet. we're not. Sorry. I won't do that. I Manny Diaz. I I, I yeah. Sir Manny Diaz. If you were watching this, <laughs> if you're I apologize for for assuming the close before yeah. it happens. My last note on on this program at this moment, you know, I give Manny a lot of credit uh, the way that the season started and losing Derek, oh bringing in Tyler Van Dyke, rattling off two wins over ranked teams. Uh, after you know you hadn't seen this team be resilient in years past when they've had those heartbreaking devastating losses um and they did that this year and Manny talked about this yesterday in his press conference you know he's relying a lot on his seniors right now like they're about to go play their last game at Hard Rock Stadium and that's an emotional thing and and you get the feeling that this team isn't giving up I think they're gonna go out there and they're gonna play hard and and do their best and it's a young team and it's it's a confident team Mm -hmm. um whether they should or shouldn't be (laughs) um but the way that they've kind of been able to keep themselves relevant to an extent um at least in the ACC has been impressive and I give all the credit to Manny Diaz for that I actually will give him that too it's it this team looked like it was dead in the water and easily could have rolled over for the teams that they played that were good teams like they have a couple of good wins and good moments on this schedule it's just sort of the conglomeration of the last number of years and where things left off from the Mark Richt era and and how it's ended up at the moment but you feel bad for Manny Diaz do hopefully if if he is not the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes he'll he'll get to do the sort of rehab cycle and get another chance at it as well because I do think might have also just been early in his coaching career for this moment okay last sportsy sports thing and then we're going to get into you uh, Miami Dolphins. We were going to have this conversation last week, but you were covering the Thursday night football game between them and the Baltimore Ravens. And it's funny because as of that conversation, they were two and seven, one of the worst teams in the league. Two is on the bench again. What's going on there? They're going to get annihilated by Baltimore. And now all of a sudden, three and seven, a wide open AFC. Tua looks really good against the Ravens. The defense is all of a sudden coming together. And you got four straight games coming up in the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants, and the Jets that are all very winnable football games. On paper. On paper. Talk me talk me out of believing that the Dolphins... Or maybe no, you won't. No. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're about to talk me into it. Are, are the Dolphins just going to get back to 500? Like, what do you expect over this stretch of the next few games? Listen, I am the queen of optimism. 
I like to call myself, um, which is maybe irresponsible journalism at times. No, it's me. It's no. fine. We're in the same boat. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I saw that the way they played and, and you know, I we're talking about the way that the Hurricanes bounced back. And I, I'm looking at this Miami Dolphins team and I'm everyone's so upset about the way that this team is being coached and the way that they're the way that this team has taken obviously a very clear step back uh, in Brian Flores' third season. But, you know, when I'm at the game, I don't get to watch the broadcast in the moment. I like to kind of just watch the game and then I'll go back and listen to the broadcast later. And when I went back and listened to it, there's a moment in the fourth quarter where the camera catches Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis dancing around Mm -hmm. on the field. And Troy Aikman says, when you're a quarterback and you see the defense dancing in the fourth quarter, you're not having a very fun time right now. And Joe Buck went right back and he said, this is not a two and seven team. You would never Mm. know that this team is two and seven looking at the way that they've played this game. And I and I feel that like to my core, I I watch these guys and we're not in the locker room the way that we typically are when we cover an NFL team. So it's really hard to get a feel for are these guys okay? Like when you're losing a lot of games, it's really hard to come and, you know, get wins and, and be positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we haven't really had a good feel for what this team mentality is. Um, But they've been doing a really good job of telling us that they're sticking together and that they're coming in on Mondays and, and turning things around and making corrections and practicing hard. And I felt that on Thursday. You see that this team, Brian Flores has not lost this locker room by any means. They are playing their hearts out for him. Um, And, you know, there's so much you can talk about when you look at the quarterback situation and what's going on there, the offensive line, the makeup of the team. Um, But I'm telling you, there is a real possibility that this team could be seven and seven and fighting for a wild card spot down the stretch. And, And I think there's, a lot of reasons why I think if the defense they've clearly switched their defensive strategy in the last two games. So mm-hmm. if they can keep that up and they continue to just go to get the quarterback, uh, the way that they've did to Tyrod Taylor and Lamar Jackson, um, that's a real scary thing when you when you have the ability to blitz the way that this team has been blitzing when you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard back there. Um, that's that's a fun style of defense to play. And, you know, it's funny. That's kind of what the Ravens hang their hat on. Yep. Um, so it was really fun to see the Dolphins kind of give it, give them a taste of it. And, you know, the Ravens didn't play great. It was a Thursday game. It was a short week. Um, the Ravens are kind of known to maybe play down to their opponent every once in a sure. while. Um, but that was a good win. I don't care what anyone says. That was a good win against a very good football team. And and, and the guys knew it. Uh, the guys knew it after the game telling us. It's, I even asked um, – Javon Holland after the game I'm like does this feel a little different than last week's win and he was like yeah he was like they're both big wins but this this was a really big win for us to get two wins together against a playoff team um that feels good for those guys and you better believe they're going to carry that juice they got a little they got a few days off this weekend um to kind of regroup get healthy that's good for Tua of course too of course um but if the way that the defense is bringing the juice it gives the offense juice too. I don't care what anyone says. I couldn't agree more. So, I, yeah, no. So go ahead and finish your. Yeah, point. no. I'm a believer in the seven and seven. Like, let's go. You know, like <laughs> let's make this season interesting. No one wants to cover a coach getting fired. No one mm-hmm. wants to cover a GM getting fired. That's that's disappointing. Um, and that's you know then it's rebuild seventeen point oh. So right. you know here we go. Let's you know crazier things have happened. Um, and, I, and I'm a believer that this Miami Dolphins team can do some crazy stuff in the next four games to make this season a little bit more interesting than we initially anticipated. Well, it would certainly be fun for all of us, that's for sure. And what, what does, in sort of listening to what you've said and then, and then sort of applying that logic to the next number of games, n- number one, let's take a step back. I'm also a big Brian Flores believer yeah. in general. I was shocked that this team had such a bad start under him. And the only thing worth questioning truly, in my view, under his regime has been the handling of the quarterbacks, both yeah. last year and this year. Yeah. But we're not at practice every day. And and saying that to an even further extent than, than you used to say it as a media member. Like, we really don't have the access that we once did to know. But now going ahead and looking at those four games, you know, what you brought up was... Back-to-back quarterbacks that do like to move around the pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, get out, run in space, and the Dolphins' athleticism and pressure helped keep them at bay. 
Well, now their next four opponents, you've got a team in the Jets that just don't have a quarterback. You right. know, Mike White struggled last week. I would love for him to be successful, but Mike White struggled last week. Zach Wilson has struggled with turnovers. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback established. If they went to Josh Johnson, that's what you would get. And then on the other two squads, Daniel Jones likes to run around. Cam Newton likes to run around. You've seen this defense against quarterbacks that do that, and all of a sudden, you can start to convince yourself that at the very least, this defense will keep them in the games. And now it's, hey, can Tua step up and make those plays to help lead this team back into playoff contention? It's kind of a fun month that we're headed into for the Dolphins. It is. And and I'll say, you know, you look at the Jets as, as our first kind of opponent since the two wins. Um, you know, if Zach Wilson's back, Mike White, those are... In- there's been a lot of criticism against the Jets, and they've beaten some really good teams. Yeah, they have. And they've lost to some really good teams. So it's kind of a confusing situation, mm-hmm. but it's you don't you. I, I worry about this first game after yes. this win streak. I think if they can beat the Jets this weekend and really prove a point um, and say that what's been happening isn't a fluke, stop making excuses for why we won those games, then let's roll. Right, you can ride um, the wave. But this a is a bit. big one. I mean, you don't really talk about the Jets game as ever being a big game, but this is a big one. Let's say Zach Wilson does come back, that gives that team some juice. Uh, Rex Ryan went out and kind of criticized the Jets team and kind of blasted them, so that gives them some juice. You know, I think the Dolphins are going to get a, a, a really good effort from this Jets team. Um, and so I think that's going to be very interesting to see how the Dolphins approach the game. I think the my favorite thing about Brian Flores, even keeled, never too high, never too low. Every single day you come in with the same mentality. Sometimes I get frustrated with that because I'm like, <laughs> can you just show me that you're happy for right. the players that just won this game and right. worked all week? Just tell me that you're happy for them. <laughs> um, but he won't, you know, so he, and the players know that and they appreciate his, his consistency. So beat the Jets. Let's talk. And then figure it out from there. Right. Beat well, the Jets, that's, that's talk. sort of the big storyline going into this weekend for them is, and Although over the last number of years hasn't always been a big game in terms of standings, Jets and Dolphins is always fun. So yeah. it, it should be fun for the rivalry perspective. But okay, let's start getting into you. And and I guess actually I want to start with what we just did. We just covered four different teams, right? And, <laughs> five. And five. The Canes. Five. Oh my God, right? right yeah. No, oh, we just, no, we didn't do Marlins. We didn't do Marlins. But hey, Marlins, wanna... enjoy the winter meetings. Marlins, uh, love you. Yeah. Hey, at Marlins. Shout out. Love you guys too. Um, <laughs> so we've covered four different teams here. There are five in general that you're covering. Inter-Miami. On a, uh, Inter-Miami as well. Six in general that you're covering. And then all the high school teams and everything else that, that goes with. College basketball. Let's encompass all of this. Let's do it. Right. Do you take pride in your versatility? Because I think that that is something as particularly working as a local sports anchor, local sports reporter, you have to wear a million different hats, cover a bunch of different teams, and you have to stay informed. And so, you know, we see it at the national level all the time where folks are trying to sound like they're informed. And yeah. it's easy for someone to snuff that out. So the job here for you is to be at least a little bit informed on everything. And I know that you're someone who takes pride in being very informed on everything. (laughs) So that versatility, is that something that you've always had? Is it something you've had to work at? Is it something you take pride in? Well, I think just getting my start in local news, it's always, it's really all I know, right? So I don't really know how to not be informed in the teams that I'm covering. And I think that has to do with just kind of my passion and love for what I do. I eat, sleep, breathe, walk talk um (laughs) sports right Right. and it's just I consume it um you know I very rare everyone always asks me what shows are you watching I'm like what shows am I watching like I turn on sports like I like I feel like there's always something for me to catch up on there's always something for me to read um and so I I love it and and that's and that's really why it's I think just been such a joy and such a journey for me um over the last you know six, seven years of, of my career, um, to do what I do. And so, yeah, I, I take pride in it. Um, but I don't really think about it like that just because it's just almost, it's a hobby. Like it's not fair that I get to call it work. Right. Because I just love it so much. Trust so, me, I agree. So it's, it's, thank you for saying that. And I guess I, yes, I am proud of, of my ability to kind of keep my feet warm in every single bucket that I, you know, dip my toes in. But, um, but it's just fun. Okay, so if you say it's sort of the mandatory requirement of 
local sports anchor to be informed on everything. What is not a mandatory requirement is to be authentic. And that jumps off the screen when you are on. It's that you are being yourself. And I, I personally think that that's really important in this industry, but I have to imagine that's an active choice right? It, it, it's a choice to be authentic. It's a choice to share parts of yourself. It's a choice to, you know, go on camera and show your personality. And particularly as a woman in this industry, that's another element that we'll get into down the line here. But authenticity, it, is that something that is equally as important to you as versatility? I think it's, again, just what I've always done. Sure. And no one's ever told me not to. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's just kind of been what I've been told kind of sets me apart is just being real and being myself. And because it is authentic, people are drawn to it. And, and I think that's um, something that I've worked on and sometimes have to harness because I am so excited to be on the sideline at a Miami Dolphins game on Thursday night football with the bright lights and, and Fox sports and NFL network next to me. Um, And that's so exciting for me, but I also am talking about, you know, a quarterback with a broken finger. Right. So like, let's reel it in Ruthie, you know? So, um, there, there are a lot of times where I have to kind of channel it into certain, um, avenues. However, I think just like we've talked about, I do love it so much. And I have just always kind of been told to just be you because there's only one Ruthie Polinsky and no one can try and be Ruthie Polinsky. Um, so if that's what allows you to have success, then keep doing it. And so far, that's kind of worked in my favor. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I would say that it has. Obviously, you've ended up here. Are you someone who did you play sports as a kid or did you how did you fall in love with sports and know that this was something that, that you wanted to be around? It's a great question. I am not an athlete. Okay. Far from it. Um, I did a lot of musical theater and dance and performance growing up. So okay. I have a very strong background in performing arts and music and theater. Um, I was a very big dancer. Um, and I swam like in middle school, but then I decided to pursue dancing. Um, I loved swimming. I was actually very good at butterfly just for the record. That's good just to know. want everyone to know that. Um, I can still kind of swim butterfly every once in a while. So. I'm the worst swimmer that it's exists. Okay. No. Constant dread. It's fine. Yeah. You're definitely not better than me. So, <laughs> no, just teasing. so, um, so yeah, so I, So I always performed, right? I loved going to Friday Night Lights. Mm. My all my girlfriends played lacrosse. I loved going to their games. My boyfriend, my boyfriends, my friends that were boys and one boyfriend actually (laughs) uh, played lacrosse in high school, and I and went to the state championship, um, state 08, like never forget. And I just loved (laughs) being a fan. I loved being a fan. Yeah. Um, and that was always brought me so much joy and cheering and, and feeling like I was a part of the experience for them. Always like really, I always connected to that. Flash forward, I'm going to college. I want to be an actress. Okay. I never thought I would work in sports. Huh. Um, I was waitlisted at the acting program at the University of Michigan, but I knew I always wanted to go to Michigan. I was born in Ann Arbor. Um, my dad and my mom lived there for seven years. They were from St. Louis. Then we moved back to St. Louis, but I grew up diehard Michigan fan, right? Got it. Like tried and true. Like I was going go to blue. one school go blue. Got it. Okay. Um, I was going to one school. I applied to one school, got into Michigan, was very fortunate. Um, very lucky. I am convinced to this day that it was my college essay that talked about, please let me in because I really want to <laughs> go I'm here. So desperate. I think they understood. Sure. They got the message. So sure. I ended up going to Michigan, waitlisted at the acting program, was thinking about re-auditioning my sophomore year, was studying kind of like liberal arts my freshman year, just kind of dipping my toes in certain things basically realized I don't know if I can go be a starving waitress in New York just don't know if I can do it I don't know if I'm good enough I don't know if I love it enough um so I started exploring other things flash forward to summer after my sophomore year um I was like you know I love grew up in St. Louis diehard Cardinals fan love going to Cardinals games um there are always those girls that are up on the dugout like shooting t-shirts like maybe I should do that on the side of an internship auditioned for the job got it which was like the fan experience called Team Fredbird. Fredbird is the mascot for for the St. Louis Cardinals. And they're like, oh, you have a background in theater. Do you want to do some of the stuff on the Jumbotron and like host like some of the fan stuff? And I was here. like, 45,000 people, no problem. Like I could have an audience all day, right? Like I've, yeah, you love I it. love fan. Right, it's what I you love, wanted to do. Exactly. So I started doing that and I loved it. I fell in love with it. Being on the microphone, fan, sports, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this combines my love of storytelling and performance holy cow and sports 
And it really just kind of brought all circles. So I went back to Michigan my junior year of college. This was late in the – I was late in the game. Went back to college, um, started taking some journalism courses and got involved with our student-run TV program um, and did some stuff with sports there. And I somehow managed to throw a reel together, sent it out to every small market when I graduated. Um, and the first one I got was Wichita Falls, Texas. And I packed up my car and I drove to Wichita Falls. That the rest is history. Holy cow. Okay. All right. So we have a bit of a, a similar background in some ways in, in how we found this because yeah. I was also, I, I was a high school baseball player, but it was about performing as well. I did musical theater in high school. I love musical theater. I did like the little like singer songwriter play at the talent show thing in high school. And it was the same question. How do you combine this love of performing with this love of sports yeah. and storytelling. And so I was a high school newspaper kid because I thought like, oh, I'll, I'll write and yeah. I'll do columns and things like that. And then as soon as I got to college and I realized like, wait, n now the performing is gone. The writing is cool, but the mm -hmm. performing part of it is something I still crave, the being on camera, the yeah. all of that. And so same sort of direction. All right, let's combine this. Let's let's do sports television. So it's a super similar yeah, path in very. that respect. But let's talk about Wichita Falls, Texas. Okay, so you are born in Ann Arbor. You live in St. Louis. Then you go back to Ann Arbor. You spend all your time there. And now you've decided pack up your car and drive to Wichita Falls, Texas. Was this the was this the first place that you? applied to or was this the first place that you were accepted because I asked that that way because I know so many of us coming out of school apply to 50 60 70 jobs deal with a ton of rejection and then ultimately get an opportunity so I graduate Michigan uh summer of 2015 summer May of 2015 um I go back to St. Louis and I'm like, I got to do a few more months of Team Fredbird. It was my third season with okay. the Cardinals. So I was like, I got to do a few more months while I apply for jobs. And even at the point of my gra of graduating, I remember thinking to myself, oh, my friends are all moving to New York and L.A. and Chicago. And like they're doing business and finance. I'm like, you know, maybe I could go work in social media for like MLB Network or like NHL Network. And I said, you know what? I am always going to regret not trying to be on TV. I can always go do that if I want to. But I'm, I'm always going to regret not trying and doing the local news route. So I move home. I probably applied to 15 yep. jobs. So I got really relatively lucky because I had a mentor who said to me, you better start looking. You could apply to 200 jobs and not hear a thing. Um, I got yeah. really lucky. It was a, It's actually an incredible story. My, my sports director, who ended up being my boss in Wichita Falls, uh, Tobin McDuff, who is one of my all-time favorite people and a true cherished mentor and always will be, um, he saw my stuff. He grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Grew up a Michigan fan. And he was on vacation in St. Louis going to the Cardinals game when he got my resume. Get out of here. So my interview with Tobin McDuff was at Bush Stadium. Um, I brought his daughter at the time. She's now basically a teenager. But um, I brought his daughter, who was a little girl at the time, a toddler. I brought her a little jersey and a little stuffed Fred bird. Smart. Um, <laughs> and we chatted up, immediately headed off, and he gave me my shot. And I mean, what? when I tell you, I was green. I mean, green. Like, I, I didn't really have any coaching. Michigan doesn't have a journalism program. Um, it's all kind of umbrellaed under... Stuff, right? It's all very much umbrellaed under communications. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to pave your own way. I did some freelance stuff for Fox Sports Detroit, which I guess is now Valley Sports Detroit. Sure, Shout right. out. Um, and um, I did some stuff for their state champs network doing high school stuff. Um, and I, I really had no coaching at all. But he saw something mm -hmm. and he gave me a shot. And um, that is where I learned everything was in Wichita Falls. Um, and he was wonderful to me. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm this, you know, nice Jewish girl from Clayton, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. And I moved to Wichita Falls. The closest big city was really Dallas, which was two hours south. And Oklahoma City was two hours north driving. Wow. So I was really isolated from, you know, kind of what I was used to growing up. Culture shock for sure, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, and it is one of the most cherished experiences that I will ever have to go and see something else mm -hmm. and I've gotten to do that a lot in my career and I'm, I'm very very grateful for that um but getting to cover of Friday Night Lights in Texas was 
possibly the most important experience for me just to see how important sports is to Mm. every community, no matter how big, how small, um, the way that the community rallies together for a football game. And I'm telling you, I moved to the city, Wichita Falls. I think population is about 100,000. I lived across the street from the high school football stadium um, that seated up to, take a guess. About 100,000? No. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. uh, 15,000? Really? Oh, I thought I was... the- I would have not guessed 15,000. I know saying 100,000 was setting it too high, but that's a huge stadium the for big a rival- town of that size. And the big rivalry game every year, standing room only. Wow. And it, it was spectacular. I mean, it was anyone would go there and just be blown away by how important and what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much bigger than just a game uh, for these people. And, and, you know, that kind of really helped me feel find the real why I why I loved sports so much it was just because it was just so important um for so many people so I think that's beautiful I think that's awesome and such a cool thing to be able to sort of take with you you are listening to Miami Miked Up presented by Cold Blue Vodka let me talk about this bottle for a second this is something you don't see every day for those of you listening it is an ice sculpture design that honestly looks like a piece of art it really stands out on the shelf so it'll be hard to miss when you head over and pick up your bottle at your nearest total wine or sam's club locations and this ice sculpture design on the outside is just as smooth as the great taste on the inside you guys need to try cold blue because it is premium quality one of the only liquors that doesn't give me a hangover the next day Follow Cold Blue Vodka on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Blue Vodka. That's C-O-L-B-L-E-U-V-O-D-K-A for South Florida events and new recipes. Wondering then between Wichita Falls and then Rhode Island where now it was sort of a a step up in terms of some of the coverage, I imagine, because now you're covering the Patriots and their whole Super Bowl Jeremy, run. Jeremy, I went from covering Friday Night Lights to the Super Bowl in the span of like a year. That's amazing. So it it was it was unbelievable because getting the getting the opportunity in Providence was spectacular. I went I jumped, you know, pretty much a hundred about a hundred market sizes, you know, for people, you know, local news markets are ranked based mm-hmm. on sizes and I basically jumped up a hundred market sizes, which was spectacular. I had an unbelievable sports department in Providence and we really treated the Patriots like a local team um, because we were so close to Foxborough. People don't always realize that right. the Patriots don't play in Boston. They play in Foxborough, Massachusetts, which is 25 minutes from Providence. Um, and f- actually some of the people in Foxborough actually watch Rhode Island news, which is a whole other Interesting. concept. So anyways, um, we cover the Patriots the same way the Boston stations did. And that was, you don't get that in every middle sized market. Um, and so I covered when I was in Providence and you know, people here in Miami are not going to be happy to hear this, but <laughs> when I was in Providence in three years, I covered two Super Bowls, a world series, a Stanley cup final, uh, t- two teams go to the NCAA tournament. This hurts a um, lot in college basketball. I mean, it was out of control. <laughs> Just everyone wins. And you plan every year. Your sports department budgets for the, for the, like Super, for the Bowl. Super Bowl. That's crazy. I got to cover Tom Brady's last year in, in uh, New England. That was obviously my last year as well. I don't right. know why he copied me. It's like kind of creepy. <laughs> I heard he wanted to come to <laughs> yeah, Miami. Yeah, he followed you. It was like a whole thing. But like I was like, Tom, listen, like leave me alone. Um, <laughs> that's why he's in Tampa, not Miami. Yeah. It's like, you just can need you a little just bit create of a little space? Yeah. Um, no, I'm teasing. But Tom, <laughs> Tom was always really wonderful to me. Obviously, we had the Michigan connection. I grew up watching him at the big house, which is crazy. Right. Um, so... It was a real whirlwind of a turn of events for me. And I had a few opportunities leaving Wichita Falls, but to go to Providence was meant to be for so many reasons. And I grew so much there. And I think getting that big game experience, the big game coverage, like nothing really scares me. Like hmm. nothing's really ever going to be too big for me. Like, oh, Super Bowl, sure. Like done it. Right. You know, check. So it was obviously very intimidating when I was there, um, but it was it was just an incredible, incredible joy and journey. And I they gave me so many opportunities there to be the one that got to cover certain things. And um, that transformed me. What a blessing to have that choice in the middle stop. Right. Because like to have the access in 
I, a lot of, and this is, I guess, getting a little inside broadcast journalism, but but a lot of us are told sort of to go the, the local route. You got to go to a place like Wichita Falls, Texas, yeah. which is sort of the middle of nowhere, very small market. Get to your mid-sized market to get to your larger size market. But there's no guarantee when you're at any of those markets that any of the teams you cover are going to be any good or any fun. Yeah. And so in your middle stop, pretty early in your career, I mean, still pretty you know, soon out of school to be yeah. able to get to cover those teams must have been it's going to help you so much long term because like you just said like the nerves are gone you did yeah. the super bowl you know there's there's nothing bigger than that in terms of the coverage so to to kind of wipe some of the green that you talked about away in 5 years of doing this must have been a huge benefit for you i i would wonder could you could you maybe specifically name one takeaway on camera and one takeaway from sort of the vibes that you just talked about, how much this matters to people, that sort of thing, that you took away from those first two experiences that you believe allowed you to be the best you could be down here coming to Miami. So maybe something that you learned to do on screen that as you were, you know, kind of getting your your feet under you, but then also maybe something you've learned in terms of the mentality of, of how to do the job or how to approach the job. So I guess, you know, we talked about the authenticity and just being yourself. And I think um, that was something that, players athletes coaches also see that I'm authentic and I have no ulterior motive and I am asking questions because I genuinely want the answer um that was important um in terms of just a professionalism that was maybe unique because um they're like oh sure I'll I'll talk to you and I could just go up to you know Devin McCourty in the locker room or um not really Tom Brady wouldn't really do anything with me (laughs) but um who who are other p- players that like people would I, I don't know Julian Edelman I, I just other players that I could be like hey could I ask you a quick question mm. or hey could I do this with you or do you guys have a second for this uh, Stefan Gilmore was so wonderful to me during my time there um, and I think that was something that just being myself and being real people saw that um, so that that was one takeaway sure um, and then I guess kind of Rephrase. Well, no, Ask honestly, your question I think again. that that's Does that answer of, at all? No, I, th- I think that that <laughs> gets the answer because yeah. I think that that's a combination of both where it's you were learning both on camera. Hey, I shouldn't be trying to project anything that I'm not. Yeah. I'm I'm me. This is my personality. Yeah. This is who I am. But then also outside of that, you were like, if I'm just real with the people that I'm covering. And yeah. I think that's actually pretty good advice for for young journalists trying to get into this space is not just to be your most authentic self on camera but also off camera yeah. and and maybe the off camera is almost easier than the on camera. Like it's easy to sort of act up and be, you know, rah, rah and get a whole special broadcast voice and all these things. And sometimes it's just better to be yourself. Uh, and I'll add this as well in terms of maybe something off camera, but being prepared mm-hmm. is so important. I mean, you can't underestimate the importance of just knowing your stuff and like I said, for me, it was always just so fun and easy to learn because I was doing it anyway um, in my free time. But knowing what you're doing and what you're talking about and understanding, putting yourself in other people's shoes and um, coming from a perspective of maybe empathy or, um, you know, trying to learn about someone else's background um, always, I felt like, helped me feel confident and comfortable enough to be authentic yeah because I wasn't afraid of messing up sure right no, sure I mean, yeah that makes sense so that, that makes a lot of sense and yeah you know it it's interesting because and I, I think this actually seg- segues pretty well into I guess going backwards but talking about being a female in this industry and, and being a woman in this industry where let's be frank it's mostly dominated by men uh, in sports broadcasting and in sports in general, that's luckily and 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 rightfully changing little by little, but it's still a pretty male-dominated business. And when you look around here in particular in South Florida, if I look at all the local news stations and look, you know, see who their sports anchors are, you're the female sports anchor that I see. And so to be a woman in this market and to be a woman with a platform in general in sports, do you carry... I don't want to say some sort of responsibility with that, but is there some sort of responsibility that comes with that? And and do you take that to heart 
in in any sort of specific way? Absolutely. And I think responsibility is is the perfect word. Um, more times than not, I am the only woman in a room. Yeah. Um, and so I'm seeing things. We talked about empathy and perspective, and I'm seeing things from a very different lens than every single other person in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we've had to cover a lot of really challenging subjects this year. Unfortunately, uh, when you look at Deshaun Watson, um, that's the first one that jumps out, jumps out at me. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of, there's a lot of unknown there, but that was really difficult. And I felt, you know, I, I would love to give the Dolphins beat writers a shout out because I think they really allow me to have a voice in that room. Um, and they respect me and understand my perspective and opinion. And so, and I, and I think, Coach Flores and Chris Greer and the people that I've had to ask some difficult questions to, I think they understand that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's new, right? I think that's something that we're seeing that men are sitting back and saying, whoa, like, let's look at the only woman in the room and let her have maybe a voice f- because she's the only one here, right? right? And I And I think that's just something that the mentality around women in sports is changing. There's a long way to go. I will say that. Um, But I think the mentality of the other people in the room is changing. And I've never felt um, with the exception of maybe a handful of times, I've never felt like anyone's disrespected me or thought less of me because I'm a woman. That also goes back to the fact that I am prepared and my margin of error, I understand this, but my margin of error is so much smaller than the men in the room who might make a silly comment about an offensive lineman who had a certain block about this way and whatever. And he could say that and it would get blown over. But if I said that, like, oh, she didn't play football. What is she talking about? Why is she in the room? So I'll never forget one time I was talking about the AL East and I said, um, AFC East or something like that. Like I said something like that on the air and there was one fan, one viewer who just never let me, never let it down, was commenting on every Instagram post. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah. And there's crazy people in the world, right? And you have to be, have tough skin. Um, But it's just interesting to see those experiences and be like, we have so long to go before women and men are seen as equal players on this sports journalism field and in every field, but specifically to what I do. Well, I think that there's there's a couple of different steps in what you're talking about, because it, it is one thing for us, for the men in this industry to sort of look for guidance in situations where we might not have that perspective. The second step would be gaining that perspective, asking questions, learning about the perspective of those who are not like us. But then the other part of this as well is what you just mentioned, what you're dealing with online. That's a separate conversation. And I am sure somewhere in this 45-minute conversation, I have messed something up. I have said a wrong (laughs) stat. I have said something that is incorrect. And now that I'm pointing it out, I'm sure someone will go comb through for what it is and find it for social media. But like, I'm not going to deal with the repercussions of having gotten that wrong because there, there was an, there's an automatic leeway, right? I've, I've been doing this for like a few weeks essentially, (laughs) right? But there's an automatic leeway as a guy that I know I've been given on a lot of, on a variety of subjects that I can, even when I get things wrong, play them off as a joke and people will accept that, that it is different for women in this industry. And so for young women in this industry who are just getting in you're still in your 20s so yeah. your your experience is absolutely something that is what they will go through it's actually something they can can yeah. look for and i think we don't often get to have these conversations with people who are still growing through the industry so as you are what would your advice be as if you were to look at some college kid just like you who was a junior saying hey i think i want to do yeah. this <laughs> what would you say to to a young girl who was like a ruthie polinski yeah i would say be prepared i would say say yes to everything um every opportunity is a good opportunity and a learning experience especially early on in your career um and don't shy away from things that make you uncomfortable or that you think you're not good at because there's only one way to find out and maybe you're good at it. Um, These are just things that I've experienced in my life. And I think um, perhaps the biggest thing also is to be prepared, but also don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes. Because there's this pressure of you need to know everything, 
But like there are some things that I literally will never understand because I didn't play in the NBA. Sure. And same for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> we no, are not exactly. NBA players. We're not so, going to know. So it's I, I, I always find people, whether it's, you know, other writers, other journalists, whether it's athletes, whether it's coaches, um, and I ask a lot of questions and I want their opinion and I want their perspective um, because that helps me form a more complete picture of what I'm talking about. So that would be, be prepared, but also don't be afraid to not be prepared yes. and to get prepared and ask questions, right? So th- those are kind of those are kind of my two nuggets. I think that's wonderful advice for for anybody in this industry. But I can imagine there's this extra layer of fear in asking a question as a young yeah. woman in the industry because it's like, oh well, you know, if I don't know this, is this guy going to turn and, and talk to me the way that people do online? Right. So I, being able to ask questions is so important, and and coaches and players are only going to respect you for that more. They. They're glad you want to know what it is. You want to learn. You want Absolutely. to be able to have the most educated uh, analysis of their game. So one more uh, toughish question, and then we'll we'll close out with something fun. Okay. Um, and thank you so much no for taking t- this no time. This questions. has been a blast. Um, I could do this all day. So you started here, uh, and I was, I was scrolling back through your Instagram to try to figure out the exact day, oh and then goodness. it's hilarious to find the exact day. You posted on March 11th, 2020 from a heat game and just like that we're live and the irony is that that was the end of you being live for a while out at any sort of uh venue obviously for those who don't remember that night was the rudy gobert night uh where covid at least in in my yeah. view and in a lot of the sports world the NBA sort of became down. a serious thing the nba shut down that yep. night right after the heat and hornets game can you talk about I mean I cannot imagine yeah what the emotions must have been like essentially making it reaching the market size that you had been yearning for that the one that you would have wanted to reach while you were in school when you were first leaving school getting down here going to one event we met at at, at, a, at a press conference briefly and then I didn't see it for a year and a half <laughs> what were the emotions like of having gotten here and then having having everything sort of stopped in its tracks You know, it's crazy because I guess for some background, I think my first day at work was March 9th. My first day on the air was March 10th covering Eric Spolster's press conference being like, hey, there's some talk that like they're not going to play with fans in California. Like, what do you guys think? (laughs) And he was like, you know, like we play basketball to play basketball. The next day before the game, we talked to Duncan Robinson and we're like, hey, they're not going to play with fans in California. What do you guys think? And he's like. I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. literally went live, did pregame live shots, talked about that, watching the heat game. And as I'm scrolling Twitter, like this is all unfolding. And it's so eerie to be watching the heat play this game while the NBA is like, hey, we're done. Yeah. Right. Like, I remember the statement coming out in the middle of the game and I'm like, does this count? Like, what? Like, what are they? What is this? Uh, meanwhile, the Heat like blew a twenty point lead or something in that game. Yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Correct. Yeah. So it was a really bad collapse was, at the end of the game. It was like very was symbolic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I remember Eric Spolstra's press conference afterwards, and he was like, "Hey, like, we just found out. Like, do you guys have any questions about the game?" And we're like, "Uh, no." And he like walked away, and we were like, "What is going on?" And I even wasn't even supposed to have a live shot at eleven o'clock that night. Um. At the at the game, I was just doing pregame stuff, and then I was kind of done for the night, and I stayed and watched the game, and they're like, hey, uh, you're the lead at 11. Holy like, cow. we're sending you a camera. So that was very strange. And then the coming days, I remember, you know, um, you know what else happened? I guess Inter-Miami shut down. Uh, there, were, there was a bunch of things that uh, obviously um, – this was in March. I'm like trying to think. I can't even remember. Well, NHL. I, I was, at, I was in shut down. training the next day after the NBA had shut down. Yeah. I, I remember just to sort of add to the stories yeah. that you have. Being in Marlins spring training the next day, they were playing the Cardinals. And there was a full crowd of people. In, and we're yeah. like, the NBA was canceled last night. What are you guys doing here? I, <laughs> I had a flight booked to Vegas to cover the draft. So yeah. We were thinking they were going to draft Tua. Uh-huh. Um, wow, and God. But think about, oh Is my that God. wild? Like, like how much has happened? Um and I covered it all, the majority of it, from my living room. Right. Um, and what was that experience like? Was that, was, I mean, it was, strange. was that isolating? Was it eerie? Was it, how was that? Yeah, you know, I am, I moved 
to Wichita Falls, didn't know a soul. I moved to Providence, I didn't know a soul. I moved to Miami, my best friend from college lives here, lived here at the time. So I had kind of a comfort blanket. Um, I became very close with the coworker very quickly um, and we were just kind of like going on walks like what is going on? Um, and it was, I, I almost embraced the nesting phase mm. of like, okay, let's walk around the neighborhood for our exercise during the day. Like let's, you know, figure out where things are and decorate my apartment, you know, like everyone did and we'll bake and eat yeah. healthy and like do all these things. That was how it started. Um, and I was doing, you know, staring into a little iPhone on my you know that was on like a ring light at the time I at first I was like leaning it up against a like no one knew what to do right like um and I was doing the news like that um and it was just it was strange and it was sad because I just come from such a wonderful like station in in Rhode Island that I loved and I had such a team there um and that's such a crazy thing to talk about but you know we as broadcasters have teammates like we can't do our job alone so um to come here and just kind of feel a little bit isolated, not being able to kind of connect with my producers and co-anchors and those sorts of things. That was, that was disappointing, I would say. Um, but it was just kind of this weird, it got to a point where it was like, how long is this going to go? Right? Like, are we ever going to go back to the station? Are we ever, you know, and I did have the ability to go on weekends. There are so few people in the station. I did have the ability to go in and do our Sunday night show in studio. So I got kind of that like studio, you know, assimilation I guess Mm -hmm. um so I was comfortable there but it was just so sad because you know in Providence yes we got to cover all the all the Boston teams but it was still Providence like we weren't Boston and here I was like I'm Miami now like I'm gonna make the effort like I'm gonna see if I can set up a meeting with Brian Flores who I covered in New England when he was the de facto defensive coordinator I was like I can't wait to meet Brian Flores and make that connection I'm gonna (sighs) meet I'm gonna be at baseball because I'm you know and I get to go to the heat all the time because I'm right down the street um and so I just I I mean, at Heat Media Day this year, I was ta- introducing myself to these guys like, hey, like I've been talking to you for a year on Zoom, but I've never shaken your hand. Um, and so that was like really, really interesting. And I think right now I'm feeling this like very grateful, like fulfilled, like getting back to like, OK, this is why I do this. Because you're, when you're so disconnected, you're like, are people watching this? Like, I, you know, are people noticing what I'm doing? Right. Um and they were, but it was different. But that's why I imagine, like in a new, <laughs> in a new market where you didn't know anybody, yeah. and and there's not the same built-in like I'm sure in Rhode Island you had Ruthie fans who were like you know <laughs> interacting with you. I'm sure it existed who were interacting with you on social media all the time, right, and things like that. And you hadn't baked that in yet yeah. here, you know. So you're doing that from home. I I can just imagine that that was tough. So I'm glad that that we're, good. we're now all having good now. the opportunity. And and obviously, like we all just went through a lot of sort. We're we're talking about this strictly from a you know broadcast, broadcast perspective, where we obviously all have gone through, and I'm sure you have as well as I have as well as anybody listening to this has our share of ups and downs emotionally, mentally, oh, yeah. you know, maybe physiologically, sure. and and so to know that we're seemingly coming out the other side here doing all right and and just on the professional element of it that that our world is now damn near close to back to normal and like we're not quite there yet but we're getting close I, and just to your point really quick i think i had that that feeling of gratitude so early on because i was healthy i never yep. got sick um i had a i had friends um and i was just so grateful to be in miami where mm. it was beautiful outside <laughs> and i could walks. walk like i could go up to my pool like i was always there was always something to do and there was always a way to be outside and have the sunshine. And that was such a blessing for me. Um, it brought me to a boyfriend that like, you know, we had like a very COVID relationship where like things yeah, progressed quickly, quickly. <laughs> but like, it, but you know, it was like, I found a life here in right. the pandemic and I was, I was so lucky and so grateful that I was able to do that. Um, and I don't know if I would have been able to do that. It might've gone completely differently anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was very, very, and, and that's, you know, you ask how hard was it? And I, it's hard for me to answer that question because I, I was so grateful to be in Miami. Mm. That was it. Yeah. 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 Trust me. I have been, uh, grateful to be down here for, for all this time as well. Okay. Last thing for you. And then we will let you go. And it's unrelated to sports. It is unrelated to anything. But once I saw that you were a, a, uh, sort of a theater background yeah, and that you're into musical theater, and theater in general, I just want your top five musicals. 
your top oh, five okay. musicals and and why like a little bit about each of of why i know that i'm putting you on the spot in a way here you might not have a list i'm gonna like forget one and i'm gonna be so mad later. it's fine um okay can i do no can I, no order no order no pre- uh i mean i'd really like it to be in an order like, but it doesn't have to be favorite all time could watch it a million times I'm going back and forth between two. One is old, one is new. Okay, wait, wait, wait. hold on. So if we're going to do it that way, if you have these two that are your favorites, why don't you give me your other three that would round out your top five, and then we'll get your two favorites at the very end. that's good. So why don't we start there? I'll give you a second here to think of But those three are even harder because how am I going to limit this? Now you're not thinking of them specifically, but I'm just going to ramble for a second and give you a moment to sort of think about musicals. Because for me, I love a modern musical i love a a lin-manuel miranda musical Mm -hmm. any of them in particular Mm -hmm. i i am a fan of a modern musical but there is a little soft spot in my heart for some of the classics and i would always want one of those classics to be near the top maybe even something particularly you never know there could be emotional connection from having done it in middle school or high school things like that there's all sorts of different shows out there that bring something to you so now okay Ruthie, you're going to give me your three that do not make the top two. I'll let you tie those top two, but rounding out your top five. Number five. Um, okay, wait, we're not ordering them. Not three ordering either. them, but I'm just going to okay, say number, number five. five. It's fine. Uh, everyone listening, Disclaimer. just know, just in case, okay, <laughs> Ruthie does not actually have any specific biases against any of these musicals. These are all of her favorites, and there's no particular order, but I'm forcing okay. her to do a top five. Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. S- sound of Music. Sound of Music. I feel like I should have had a sound effect ready. This is on me. That number three one is going to kill me. Okay, so you've got Fiddler and Sound, sound of, of music. music. Those are just like, they bring just me back to my classics. childhood. Like, it was just, those are just like special. Did you watch them a lot growing up? Watch them, saw them. Um, I want to say in that three that's not really a three spot, maybe Lion King. Lion King. Lion King the musical. It's beautiful. The music. Have it's you seen beautiful. it on, on yes. Broadway? Yes. Yeah, it's stunning. Okay, Ooh, I kind of already forgot one that I would put in the top five. Throw it in there. Spring Awakening. Oh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. The best music. That song. Oh, okay, the it's two. It's an unbelievable show. Do you think you could guess Wait, the I two? Wait, I have to tell you this. I have to ask you okay. this if you know this. They're currently, they're doing in New York a live Spring Awakening with the original cast singing I, the I soundtrack. Have heard, you, I have heard this. Heard I this? actually have former campmates that oh. are... I think in it or a part of the production of it. This is so wonderfully Jewish of you. Very, All right. Well, it was, it's actually theater camp stage door manor. Oh Shout no. Out. Love, oh, so I was there trying to be Jews on there. brand about Jewish sleepaway camp. But there are a lot of Jews at stage that. door. There are a lot of Jews. Um, I also did do a Jewish sleepaway camp. Of course. Too. Don't worry. Um, okay. The top two. Okay. Top two. Okay. Um, I don't know which one to tell you first. Wicked. Wicked. Beautiful. My fiance's favorite music. It's, it's perfect because it's, it's a perfect show it's perfect mm-hmm. um and west side story and west side story okay so you are more of a so spring awakening gets in there but you really do love like sort of the classic Classics. like broadway broadway, broadway musicals give it That's to me your, like, yeah just sing. like as bombastic as possible yeah i i just those like when i say their titles out loud like i feel things like i feel my childhood i feel my dad i feel my mom like it's like it just takes me back to like so many memories um and the music is the music and dancing is always critical and that's really why west side story is like at the top you like excited for the movie very interested yeah interested interested is the same word i would interested. use cuz you don't feel a musical the way on screen the way you feel it mm-hmm. in the seats mm-hmm. um but wicked is I mean, I I still listen to the album and cry like yeah. at every song. So. As you should. I cried a lot of things too. Uh, just a fun visual for you: seventeen-year-old Jeremy auditioning for his High School Musical, singing, dancing through life. Just picture it. I want it right now. There you go. I all need right, it. It's over. Yeah, just right there. All right, not happening. <laughs> Ruthie, Jeremy. that's all that I got for you. Thank you so much. This was an hour-long conversation. I love it, and I loved every second we of keep, it. We could keep going. We could, we and and I would love to have you back at some point, and we of could course. talk about all these teams again and get more into to your life and, and your interests but thank you so much uh just gonna give you a second to plug anything if there's anything for people other than just watching Watch you nbc6 um follow me on twitter and instagram at ruthie Polinsky. very easy to to follow um 
We I typically anchor our five o'clock and eleven o'clock sports casts, um, and then we do a Sunday night sports show. It's late, but you're already watching. If you're watching this, you're probably watching Sunday night football. We do Sunday night football, then we do an eleven o'clock newscast, and then we have a thirty minute sports show, and it's the best one in the market if i do say so myself i'm just teasing well it's the only one with a woman yes i'm i'm the only reason i i'm not allowed to say it is because i worked on another one for three That's years fair. and i'm not allowed to say it's the best shout out those guys but are my friends too i love yeah them. they're great and, love them and, and and i will say i do watch your work and i have watched it over the last few years <laughs> and you. ruthie does an amazing job you guys yeah, should pay you. attention to everything she's doing thank Follow you for her having me of course of course this was a blast uh, and for everyone listening to this episode, enjoy tonight's heat game. You can watch that on Bally Sports Sun. Back-to-back nights with the Pelicans and the Wizards should be a couple of good ones. And obviously watch the Florida Panthers all season long as well. We'll have you covered here. Subscribe, like, rate, review, all the things you're supposed to do with podcasts. And have a wonderful rest of your week, South Florida. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.